assuming, however, concurred that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu is the essence of emanation of all knowledge. From him came Al-Fayd, which they refer to as Al-Fayd al-Sufi, the Sufi emanation. Some of them consider that this emanation is eternal, meaning that it is present even before the existence of Muhammad. That's why a large sector of the Sufis believe that the Prophet knows Al-Ghayb. Knows Al-Ghayb. Rarely, rarely you find a Sufi who doesn't believe this. Rarely. That Muhammad knows of Al-Ghayb. And that nothing escapes his knowledge in the heavens and on the earth. They have also innovated many practices aimed at showing their so-called love of the Prophet ﷺ, including celebrations of the Prophet's birthday and his journey of Isra and Mi'raj and his Hadra and so forth. You know the Sufi Hadra? When they sit circling in a circle and they say we're going to make dhikr, their Sufi innovated way of dhikr, they start doing this dhikr and repeating the, the name of Allah so many hundred times or thousand times and then they circulate and move their bodies right and left, take their hands and you know, Go in circles and uh, turning their heads also left and right, back and forth, you name it. And then they say, Muhammad now comes and he sits and uh, he attends the circle. This is called Al-Hadra Al-Muhammadiyah. And so forth. They even call upon the Prophet seeking aid and help, believing that he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam responds and answers such shit. After his death. Such concepts, beliefs, and practices concerning Prophet Muhammad are corrupt and contradict the message of the Quran and Sunnah as well as the way of the true believers, the Sahaba, and those who followed them on the path of righteousness. May Allah be pleased with them all. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard the Ummah from such innovations and from such bid'ah. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lift up, uh, up high the da'wah of the salaf and makes it prevail sallallahu subhanahu wa ta'ala in the lands and meaning on the earth. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give aid and support to the sincere Muslims who adhere to this da'wah of da'wah al-salaf al-salih rahimahumullah radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. وَجَعَنَ اللَّهُ وَإِيَّاكُمْ مِنْهُمْ And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes us amongst them who hold to their beliefs and who inshallah will die on that. Ameen. SubhanAllah wa rahmatullah. Of course the list continues but I wanted to stress on the two main things which are related to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. So understand them, the concept of Tawheed, the right concept of Tawheed, and we could consider what opposes it, and we took also the meaning of Muhammad Rasulullah, and what it really means, and we took some of the things which oppose it through the uh, study of this uh, innovative ways of Sufism. Muhammad al-Ghazali advocated Sufism strongly, and the people on Wahdat and the people of Arabi and others built up on the thoughts of Al-Ghazali. They built up on his thoughts. But at the end of his life, Al-Ghazali concentrated on Hadith. And he died while he was studying Hadith. So there, inshallah, maybe it was, inshallah, a good sign. Now, inshallah, that's what, inshallah, we, we believe.
But having said that, his books are there. So you don't go and go study his books. Yeah, so it's, a, it's important to remember that. Now, yes. Now, subhanallah, subhanallah. Now, for, but Paul, you know, it's because of him everything was created. He's, and by him all things exist. Subhanallah. And that's why, you know, you read, you know, the thoughts of these people and the concepts, as we said earlier. Very similar. There is a great deal of influence of Christian and Hindu in Greek philosophies also. That's what, uh, we, we mentioned the history of Sufism and how it was affected by these things. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Paul spoiled that Christian thing. I mean, if there was anyone who, who spoiled it, as Sheikh al-Islam, rahimahullah, <coughs> mentioned that Paul entered into Christianity to spoil it. And he was a Jew. The same thing, Abdullah ibn Sabah entered Islam in order to spoil it, corrupt it. That's what Sheikh al-Islam, rahimahullah, mentioned. Because that's what was really, yani, Naam, he said a lot of the early practices, the practitioners, I mean the people who, pray, who practiced the Sufi ways of Zuhr. First of all, it was like detachment from the life and everything. And they started wearing these wool clothes and with, uh, with holes in it and things like that, saying that this is a symbol for detachment. This was witnessed in Basra and Kufa, in Iraq. And that's why he linked it to Sufism. He linked Sufism to that practice. But also, again, we have to remind you that the Sufi way of so-called Zuhd, they try to come with, with deception. They tell you this is a detachment from this world, the life. And you know, it touches a nerve in the West, where many people are fed up with, with materialism, right? And their Sufis come in and there and come and tell them, we are bringing you the spiritual living. You know, this is the right spiritual path. And they take them into really, bottom, into, into, into darkness on top of darkness. You see? Because, you know, it's to tell that this is Zuhd. What is Zuhd really? <coughs> Zuhd is to leave that which does not benefit in this life and look for what benefits in the hereafter. This is Zuhd. You understand? It's not their innovative way of Zuhd. Sleeplessness, wandering, ignorance, uh, poverty. And, you know, they say that this way starts with poverty and insanity, some of them say. I have come across quotes which, and you can find many of these things that I, in terms of examples and sayings of these people, you find them in the book uh, which I have uh, compiled and entitled Zen Min Hawa, The Dispraise of Lowly Desires. Dispraise of Lowly Desires. And that book is, contains a chapter from Imam Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah about al-hawa and the displays of lowly desires and then it contains uh, a response and a somehow detailed response to one of the advocates of Sufism in our times uh, by the name of uh, Nuh Hamid Kalab. He uh, advocates Sufism and uh, others also like him in the West. So this book uh, came as a response, and you find in it uh, a lot of uh, useful information regarding uh, the corrupt beliefs as well as the corrupt methodologies of these people. And you can find copies of this, uh, inshallah, at your center here.
it is, it is uh, there are a few copies you can order some from uh, the uh, Jaliyat in Onaysa. There are some of them. From the truck, the fall to the down. Yeah. That's what took is also. By the divine touch. SubhanAllah, this is amongst our Christians, right? The sophism of the Christians, huh? SubhanAllah. Now it's wrong. The third way of third wave of the third wave of huh? write the name here so that we we, uh, we mention it please write it down pretty write it down so that we uh, pronounce it right and uh, people make note of it so this is Christian Sufism <laughs> uh, this is feedback right this is feedback. The Sufis took first from them and now they are feeding them back, right? Now. Some. Some, some. That's the second part. The second part. Most likely the second part. Now, the very early beginning of so-called Sufism, which uh, were practiced by the early ones, it was a little bit of exaggeration in worship, as we mentioned. Right? But there comes the devil deception. And we put a title there, or subtitle, and I emphasize that, that the bid'ah starts small, and then it amplifies. It amplifies. And when it amplifies, everybody will jump in, whether they have conspiracy or not. You see? See the point? Because it's growing now. And especially when it's based upon experience. Especially when it's based upon experience. And shaitan takes the hands of these people. They're thinking them that they are really reaching Allah, seeing Him through such states of maqamat. Many of these things are not really something which the Sahaba, and this is where you can prove it, the Sahaba have not done that, although they were the best believers. They were the best believers. Had this thing, had this thing been a way to reach Allah, first of all, it would have been taught by Allah to his messenger, and it would have been propagated. And that's the first element which tells you that it is innovative. Meaning that this case was not really true, the application of it. Even the so-called zuh, the way which is started by detachment of this life, itself was wrong. Because as we define this word is, to leave that which is not beneficial in this world, and to hold to that which is beneficial to the other. Or to leave that which is beneficial rather for the hereafter, not beneficial for the hereafter, I should say. I correct myself. To leave that which is not beneficial for what? For the hereafter, and stick to the things which are beneficial. You understand? So, even there there was an innovation, an exaggeration. 
later stages when people started translating the works of the Greek, and we mentioned that uh, in the beginning of our book, and the Hindu concepts came in, and people started imitating the Greek philosophies. So they started thinking a blend, whether we could make a blend between, you know, Islam and, and Sufism half away. And that carried them all the way out, all the way off, meaning, of the teachings of Islam. In truthfulness, they spoke of things which are not Islamic or were not Islamic. So, if you want to see, well, well, there are certainly some who are sincere. And many people who fall into bid'ah are sincere. But sincerity is not enough. And sincerity is not enough in terms of following the deen. Following in the deen requires sincerity and ittiba' and following. So, because of someone being sincere, we cannot take of his bid'ah. This is a very important linkage here you have to be careful of. We cannot take the bid'ah of someone who is sincere. We cannot take it. It still remains a bid'ah. And to protect the deen, to protect the deen, you say Allah knows of their hearts, right? Allah knows of some of the people who fall into bid'ah in terms of their hearts. But we care for what's apparent. What's apparent from their works, and that is the application of the deen. The holding to the sharia. Is it the truth or not? That should be your defining mark. Whether it's Sufism or any ism. I don't know if there is any kind of, of a, something called you can say, a Jewish conspiracy. Certainly anyone, whether a Jew or a, anyone who was an enemy to Islam, would love to propagate anything which checks doubt about Islam or uh, renders certain things to be or, 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 or highlight doubts or misconceptions. So they can propagate that through what? Publishing the works of these people. Publishing the works of these people. And that's why when you see when you read in the Orientalist books, for example, many of them are Jews. Many of them are Jews those who are interested in Islamic studies from the West. Many of them are Jews. And they read their encyclopedias, like the Shorter Encyclopedia of Islam, or the Concise Encyclopedia of Islam, and many of their works, you find them spreading mischief about Islam, through making, uh, uh, highlighting the works of the Sufism, thinking it's spiritual Islam. They call it spiritual Islam. This is very misleading. Very, very misleading. So, they may abuse, yes, because they are the enemies of Islam. We don't expect from them to be, you know, on our side, on the, on the, on the truth side. Now, now, you can't say that every Sufi is a Catholic. You can't, in terms of bid'ah, in the innovations, there are two kinds. There is what is called bid'ah mukaffirah, meaning, a bid'ah which leads to kufr, and itself is kufr, rather, it takes the person out of Islam. And there is a lesser bid'ah. It's like there is a great, the major kufr and minor kufr. Minor kufr does not take the person out of Islam. Major kufr takes the person out of Islam. But even then, taking a person out of Islam, there are conditions. And there are restrictions also. Meaning you cannot just declare because somebody said a word of kufr, immediately you are a Catholic. Unless you prove, provide evidence, the text, established proof rather. You understand? So you cannot say every Sufi is what? 
You say that such words for the Sufism or others is kufr or bid'ah. The person who is saying it, you have to establish evidence and proof. And this is not left for you and me. This is not left for you and me. Yeah. For example, lesser kufr is lesser. Right? It may lead to major kufr. Right? Al-ma'asi themselves, disobedience. Also, they may lead to kufr. You understand? Major kufr is, for example, to pray to a grave, calling upon the dead. This is shirk. This is shirk, major shirk. This is Sufi style. The Sufi style, many of them think of the, of the, of, they have strong attachment to the graves of the so-called saints. But the general public, the ignorant ones, you know, it's very, very, very hard to declare them to be on because these people think that their saints or their, their sheikhs are on the truth. You understand? And they are imitating them. So you have to really establish proof and evidence and spread the da'wah of Tawheed correctly so that people know. Once they know, then they have no excuse. You understand? Once they know, truly they know. But sometimes even the common Muslim may not like you to come and tell them. If you speak about these matters of Tawheed, he tell you, I don't take from you. I have my shakes. See? It's, it's, I mean, it's very, very difficult. It's, you don't imagine that it's something God easy. You know? 